Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me as always is Ben Slinger. I am always here waiting, watching to insert game design ideas into every conversation. Hi, I'm Ben Slinger. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's getting close to a certain time that you may not be around for, for too many more episodes. Yes, I have a terminal illness. No, that, <laughs> that's not it. Uh, no, my my wife, we are having another child. She's due tomorrow. Could come at any moment. Uh, we do have a couple in the can, so it's it's possible that- we, you know, you won't go any weeks without uh, with with Ben missing, but uh, it it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible, and so if if that needs to happen, we'll we'll find some guests to to fill in and to record with Trevor, and uh, and there will still be releases every week. But yes, I mean we we're not about to give up our hundred and thirty whatever number of episodes it is at this stage. Um, <laughs> episodes without a guest, oh, without without a um, release, without missing. That's it. We're not breaking that streak. Yeah. Uh, so, I think we will jump right in, as usual, to some click pitch. Yes. And uh, this is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. Not a, not a you know, a, 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 a static word generator, a random word generator. Fantastic. And, yeah, it's great. It's probably deterministic. Random. I don't think it's true chaotic, you know. Well, I, I kind of proved it. <laughs> pulling from pulling from the decay of uh, of an atom. I did kind of know, prove it. If you do happen isotope. to click at the exact same time, you do get the same word. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's maybe some sort of time based seed, but it, it's random enough for our <laughs> for our usage. <laughs> oh man, this intro is uh, interesting tonight. Anyway, we we each click refresh. We get a new word. And we put those words together into a random, into a game design. Uh, we, we, we magic it out of the ether. And, and all of a sudden, there's an idea. There's a game. So, uh, let's, let's show the audience how that works. Two and a half minutes into the episode. Three, two, one, click. Hmm. Forge. Simulation. Ooh, a forge simulation. Okay. Well, sim, I mean, all right, so do we want to take simulation as just something uh, to do with the game, as in we are going to simulate something in this so, game? So, I've been watching a show called Blown Away on Netflix. Uh-huh. Yes, this is the glass-blowing uh, reality kind of TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was waiting for the perfect set of words to come up so that I could actually talk about this. And guess what? It happened first today. <laughs> this is it. All right. Tell me your glass blowing game <laughs> VR idea. Glass blowing. Okay. So All right. um, it uses the microphone. Is there a for I was about like to say, do we part. need do we need a Trevor's custom peripheral? Because no, VR headsets uh, have, have bloody um, microphones and they can detect when just well, well, they can, they can. But it worked very well with how, the DS, so it can work very well with VR. <laughs> the thing is, though, glass blowing. I think you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fine art, and there's a difference between sort of giving a, a nice little gentle, and um, you know, a forceful. A forceful blowing up a balloon or blow dart sort of situation where you really need to puff out your cheeks, like playing a trumpet. You know, I, I think we need to, we need to, it, there needs to be some subtlety there, some nuance to how you are blowing out that glass. So, in watching the show, it actually goes to sort of show that the majority of the, of the work of the artist is actually not in the blowing part, but in the shaping. So, True. yes, it's about glass blowing, but quite often they just got, like, the assistant to do all the blowing. Like, they do an, an initial couple of blows, but then they'd just be working on the on the actual shaping of it and, and you know, telling them whether to, whether to blow or how hard to blow and that sort of stuff. And it's like, tell them when to stop. And it's all about all about getting the shape right. Sure. And look, obviously in VR, that- that's where you're gonna you're gonna have a bit more finesse and a bit more gameplay anyway. Yeah, so you're gonna have some tools that you can that you can use to like shape and create like the holes that you need to. You can get the glass out of the um out of the forge or whatever it is, and put like 
to reheat everything up, you have to put the object that you want to reheat into the glory hole. Yes, that is actually what it's called. And that is I have I have heard the thing. Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. Uh, Okay. So that's fine. The the very sensitive blowing peripheral can be an optional extra. Uh, Maybe that's multiplayer. Like you said, if they get their assistant (laughs) to do most of the blowing, you're just telling them when when to blow and how hard. There are also other types of games that I'll leave up to your imagination that we can use as peripheral for. Or DLC, you know, I mean. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure you should be blowing glass while someone's blowing you. Like, that's (laughs) Just call it the Glory Hole Trilogy and then we've just got to come up with another version. <laughs> like we're just going to uh, come up well, with the third. Uh, it version. wasn't wasn't that um, you know Gears of War when they'd all come out of the ground? Wasn't that called a glory hole? <laughs> no, that was called a gory hole. <laughs> a gory hole. <laughs> the glory hole trilogy. I like. It. All right. So in in the glory hole trilogy one, the, the book of glass. Um, you you're running for you're running a glass blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this is it so okay wait is uh it a competition in the show yes yes it's a it's a competition in the show but i think you got sculpt mode in which you just get to sort of make whatever you want of course then you've got like challenge mode where you where you're trying to make like um based off of a of a challenge you know it sort of says make something botanical make something you know food like make something you know, and basically, then you, yeah. Then you well, can and look, and there may also making. we probably also need a mode where it's just here, make this. You know, and, and the closest you get, the closer you get, the better. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe that's sort of the first stage while you're still learning, um, and you can go through some tutorials on. Okay, you know, what are the different colors of glass we need to make a you know, stripy marble or whatever, or a, you know, how do you keep the glass in the right shape so that you can then, uh, you know, at the right time whatever it is, sculpt out the pieces to make a glass animal or something or a flower or I don't know. I haven't watched the show. I've seen some glass glass sculpting and blowing before. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, th- those sort of different techniques. Now, of course, the simulation here is going to come in in that we we want this to be relatively accurately simulating molten glass. <laughs> yes. There's going to be some really nice shader work for the, you know, the, the, the colors as it, as it heats and cools. And you can really tell which bits of your glass are going to, you know, just how the different bits of your glass are going to move based on, on how uh, hot and molten they are, how viscous they yes. are at that point. So one thing, obviously, there's a lot of spinning that happens, right? To keep kind of the glass even and, and on there and not, and, and for gravity to not take over. Is that yes. fair? Yeah, that is fair to say. Yeah. That, that's interesting in, in VR just because I feel like a big part of that is, you know, they've got the stick that it's on and, and that's the physical thing that they're moving between their hands. How is that going to work? I guess you could it's just- It's going to work really, sort of ha- really well in like the index because you can actually get the fingers sort mm, of- Around Pretending it to, to twist sort of thing if you get them moving in the right- That's true. Yeah, I guess that's it. I guess it's just you just need to be- uh, You're holding it with one hand and 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 sort of the other hand is, is guiding it. Kind of the way you have like the shotgun grip um, in certain games, but your backhand is doing the twisting, the spinning yep. back and forth or- Yeah. Yeah, that'd work. So moving on to uh, Glue Hole Trilogy Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that's I think there's some some cool stuff you could do in VR there, but I think we'll three, two, and click unless you've got some more. Well, I'm I'm trying to think factors. what Glory Hole Trilogy Part Three is going to be. Um, I mean, there's this uh, <laughs> girl called Glory and. Um, oh, so so it's actually a Buffy. She runs a bar. It's a Buffy the Vampire no. Slayer um, season five thing of um, Glory yes. running a bar. Yes, <laughs> running a bar. It's like a dive bar <laughs> called the Glory Hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Three to one click. Ooh, microfilm. Pork. <laughs> okay. 
feel like it's been a while since we've had anthropomorphic animals. Meaning my mind is going towards a spy thriller, but everyone's uh, everyone are pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's a bit of of like Soylent Green going on where people are real. These pigs are realizing that bacon is pig. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a microfilm or a micro. Well, and the or- microfilm is just like yeah. There's like the it, it's a big conspiracy, and and there's data on the microfilm. Because there's been spying going on. Maybe in this world, uh, you know, maybe this is the opposite of of Animal Farm. You know, where in Animal Farm the pigs became the capitalist overlords. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in this case they're kind of the the serfs, the peons, a bit, and and they are being taken advantage of, and they're being fed bacon, and 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 being told that it's a, this amazing food. Everyone loves bacon. <laughs> Uh, you're so lucky that you get bacon <laughs> every day. And it's that crispy stuff too. Oh, it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. But this is about that one plucky piglet, teenage pig, I don't know. Yep. Who discovers that. All right. So, who's like, who's oppressing these pigs? I want to say dolphins. <laughs> I mean, they've got the intelligence for it. They they definitely put on a friendly front that could be hiding something sinister. Yep. Uh, they don't have anything close to opposable thumbs, but that's probably not all that necessary. They, they're so smart that they made robotic appendage, appendages that they can- It's robotic appendages. Okay. I was thinking maybe they had their sort of middle management minions where, like, the dolphins- uh, I'm actually uh, imagining, overlords. I'm imagining like a dolphin in like this tank in which they're, um, you know, it's this big robotic tank, um, very clear on the outside. Uh, you can see, you know, the whole dolphin body sort of yep. floating and swimming around, but it's like also, you know, this big hulking robot. All right. All right. I like the idea then that the dolphin, yeah, the dolphins are the overlords and they, and, they definitely travel around in these big tanks. The tanks, though, are pulled by, you know, horses or, or something. There are other other creatures, other animals that are working for the dolphins, and, and some of them are probably, you know, privy to the fact that the pigs are being, f- like, fed their own flesh, their own delicious, delicious crispy flesh. Oh, yeah. They're the ones that actually organise this whole thing. Well, and yeah, like the dolphins probably find it hard to to cook bacon and butcher things. Um, so, the, but yeah, the dolphins have basically been breeding these pigs for, you know, for slave labor, and they whatever they, they, for whatever reason they've been very successful at creating this whole class of of slave pigs. And they have so many that they're like, oh, well, like, not we, we don't just need to use these for slave labor. We can save on pig feed and literally just, you know, when we've got too many of them, feed them, feed them to themselves. Okay. Yep. And so, you know, this has been going on for some time, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I think because of the, the whole way that um, the mad cow disease and all that sort of stuff happened in Britain from- you know, cows eating eating other cows and that sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. it, it ended up, you know, causing some sort of uh, mutation. Um, I think in this, what happens to the pigs is they start getting a little bit more intelligent, but they also okay. turn a shade of green. <laughs> okay. Like their, their skin or is this after they're cooked into bacon? <laughs> uh, I think at first it's it's the bacon starts turning green, but then after a while the okay. whole the whole skin actually turns like a greenish color to to the point that it actually turns like a bright green by the end of the game when they when they finally destroy all the dolphins take over and then start stealing like some birds eggs and start eating eating the eggs and the whole thing sort of goes over again so now the pigs are in charge i mean i'm pretty sure that i'm yeah i'm pretty sure those birds may may get a little bit angry but um 
<laughs> okay, so here we go. <laughs> it took me it took me a few moments uh to figure that out, but sure. Yeah, they gra- they gradually lose all their limbs and just turn into like <laughs> It's our secret it's our secret prequel. It's our sequel. Exactly. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so we've kind of we've got the base world. <laughs> oh, that was great. We've got we've got the base world going. Let's talk about the gameplay. I, I'm I'm thinking maybe this is a bit of a like a stealth game, just because there's there's sort of the spying going on, uh, and and. and uh, you are this. I don't know if you're a pig with any special kind of stealth skills, uh, or if you've just sort of, you know, you stumbled across something that made you want to investigate further. But yeah, I, I'm. So I think early on in the game, you you have like these lowly sort of pigs in almost like a medieval sort of time. They're they're sort of like mm. toiling away in the farmland, and they, and you see like. You know, you know that whole thing where like royalty gets um, gets hoisted on top of like four people's shoulders in in like a right, yeah. I can't remember what that's called, but yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. Yes. So basically, it's got this huge curtain around it, and like this, it's coming down the road, and then the curtain gets pulled off, and it's just this huge glass tank with a um with yep. a dolphin in it, and basically goes, "You there." Pigant or whatever it is, you know, sort of like the peasant ver- version, but with pigs. Um, yeah, you know, uh, come here. I want to. I want to give you a treat, and then they give him bacon and all this sort of stuff, and ask ask this one pig to come along with them to the, you know, the the town. And basically, it's it's just maybe a story of this this one pig's family and his descendants over the years. Okay, so you're saying we follow the ho- we follow multiple generations? Yeah, yeah, sort of because you you're not going to turn like and it's like a, the pigs from you know the pink to green in in the one generation. It's going to happen over generations. So uh, I mean, well, but I don't think it's a gen- genetic thing. I think it's because they're eating more and more bacon. Okay, and there's this like virus that's spreading or something. Because uh, I feel like we need a I feel like we need a, a main protagonist. Uh, I'm fine. I think yes, setting it in sort of a, a medieval kind of um, uh, analog to to our own history, where yeah, the, you've sort of you've got the, the the lords, the dolphin lords, but it's maybe got the steampunky sort of stuff of of like your wild yeah. wild west with Will Smith, where they got yeah, like so you've got giant some robots sort of mechanical. Of Mechanical robot sort of things, and yeah, I think I think you don't you don't reveal the dolphins with with any sort of robotic limbs and stuff until like you know Act Three. Like that's one of the big things. Yeah, like, the, oh shit! Now the dolphins actually the dolphin have some tank sort of way to- looks like a big metal spider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think gameplay wise, you and look, you could still start it out like that. That's sort of your your little intro. But I do like the idea of just yeah, the dolphin comes out. And it's like, uh, all right, look, I, I've got your treats here. It's dinner time. And just, you know, all these pigs run over and there's a big trough and you just see all this crispy bacon being poured <laughs> into it. And they start munching away on it and digging in. And as oh, a, so as salty. A, as a player, you're just going like, what the fuck is going on? These cannibal pigs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's an interesting narrative story you could tell there, but I think we'll uh, I think we'll move on. Yeah. So the sequel, <laughs> the secret prequel, the sequel to the sequel to Angry Birds. Yes, but we don't say that because it's a secret. That's why it's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. Three, two, one, click. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> Warping, hurdling. So I've warping, yeah, warping. I've just got this idea of like a a space Olympics sort of thing, except it's yes. got like portals and stuff that you. <laughs> That's exactly where I went to, like some <laughs> sort of future Olympics, 
uh, <laughs> where you've got all these additional <laughs> tools that over the years, like the rules of these traditional Olympic sports have just kind of slipped as technology has changed and genetic engineering has taken hold. And yeah, what what I'm, what I'm always picturing is like it's got portal mechanics, but it's it's like doing a typical thing at the Olympics of, you know, you got a hurdle over over X number of hurdles and then finish finish the race but there's only one hurdle okay. there so you basically got to set up your two portals at first so you're jumping over the one hurdle <laughs> continuously <laughs> and then you then you know you fire off to the side and <laughs> oh i see what you mean <laughs> well i think let's just think about this as let's look at different olympic sports and and bring them into the future yeah you know five centuries or something and whatever we've got all these different classic, you know, futuristic technologies. Uh, yeah, well, it's like portals and, and lasers and whatever else. Okay, so the first one I want to think about is the high jump. Okay. Now, I think that one does make some sense with those sort of portal mechanics where to get high enough, you might need to, like, yes, yeah, like, jump off a high thing into a portal that then warps you in like to launches you up to then you know be able to get over over you know the bar and that sort of stuff so you got to work out okay i can get up to the top there and then i get enough energy coming down here and how many portals that can you sort of link together to get the height that you need to get over this um to get over this bar yeah yeah well maybe it's like maybe it's a combination maybe they've uh sort of made the Olympic Games more efficient and they've combined some of the different Olympic sports. Kind of like pole vault and, and um, high jump together. <laughs> well, I was more thinking that there's like some sort of climbing. Do they have a climbing thing? Maybe just gymnastics. Because <laughs> basically what I was thinking is there's um, a time limit and you have to climb high enough to then jump down into a portal and then have placed your other portal at the right spot to get over the high jump or slash pole vault. It's the portal vault. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love it. Um, <laughs> uh, but it can't be, it, oh, damn it, it can't be called portal vault because we don't have the, um, we don't have the license from Valve this time. <laughs> no, okay. It's, uh, it's off-brand portals. Um, well, we had warples. So, are they like warples? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're not uh, orange and blue. No. Uh, they're green and pink. Yep. That, that makes perfect. Or, or green and purple. Mm -hmm. Green and purple. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Green and purple warples. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have a gun, you've got a hose. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, right. A portal, a warple hose. I gotcha. Yep. <laughs> so, is this first person? Like, are, are we saying we take um, the classic warple gameplay and <laughs> um, <laughs> accept that obviously, obviously, with a hose, you you have a limited reach. You have to plug it into the like the the warple tap, the warp tap. Yep. That gives you your warp juice <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, the fact that warp juice is now a thing is just kind of wrong. <laughs> well, maybe it doesn't create, you know, oval-shaped warples. It just splotches. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, like it's like a spray. Um, so, you switch it to green and then you go like, spray it where you need to. Yep. And then you switch it to purple and spray it wherever else you need to. And those two sections are connected. Now... <laughs> If you've missed Does that some of alter it, the shape, like, do the shapes have to <laughs> match up? <laughs> no, I, th I think no. I think um, our our warpool technology is so so advanced that it it even you know sort of evens itself out. You know, there's no such thing as yep. as like a cheese grater effect or as a, as a misshapen <laughs> kind of yeah. That that's probably that's probably wise. <laughs> as in, you're not you you don't have to worry about it. Like you can even you know lob out a um. A stream of, of warp juice into a spot. You know, as long as it hits the spot, then it's fine. Yeah. 
Uh, here's the thing that's interesting about warp juice. Can you create warp juice balloons that you fill up Ooh. with the different colours of warp juice? I, th- I think that's that's that gives you some new techniques. That really does. It means that you've only got a limited. I'm actually kind of moving. I'm kind of moving away from the Olympics thing. Yeah. Maybe we set. Maybe the narrative of this game is is set around Olympic sports uh, or the or the Olympic games in some way. But you you know the, you move away from that, and, and and it is more of a traditional first person puzzler. But it's it's warp juice. Okay, so I, I'm I'm loving the idea that it starts off as as like you're an athlete at at this Olympic Games, and yep. then you finish your your events on the first day. And just as you're leaving, you get attacked by by like a crazed one of those balloon artists, you know that. Oh, okay. That has has like a, a whole um, you know, belt full of balloons, but he's like attacking you with like these blown up um novelty hammers and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Yep. So sure. you beat him, and and so you stand there, and now while he whacks now you with got, a novelty. You've got a belt yeah. of all these balloons. In which you you can now take your warp juice with you, because you've now got all the uh, balloons to to fill up with warp okay. juice. So, uh, do you do you have that warp juice in the first place because you're a competitor yep. in these like future Olympics? Okay, yeah. So, the very first like all the right. th- first third of the game is is you with the hose doing doing like the um warp warple Olympic. The Warple Olympic Games. Oh, I just figured it out. Diving and high jump or like pole vault. Yep. 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 Yeah. Then it's a matter of you, you, you have to diving in into, into like a puddle. Yeah. Into a puddle of, of warp juice. And, (laughs) and so it's about the technique as you come down, how cleanly you get into that puddle. And then of course you go like, Flying up into the air, and you have to go over the pole like the hot, super high bar, uh- and, and and then come out the other side, and and you know come come out again and land up on up on you know yes. where you dove from on the other side. Yeah, it's and and stick the landing and do your little arms up. Da-da. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's you. That's your big event. So maybe that's your character's. Of main event. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of liking the idea of it being third person because flipping in first okay. person could really suck. Um, True. Yeah, that's interesting. I I, uh, I could see a, a third person game working with these sort of mechanics. Yeah, it's. I guess it's. A, I guess you just have to figure out how the camera would work if your other the other side of your warple is elsewhere right does it just kind of flick over there or something or does it keep maybe maybe the levels are created in such a- i think i think it follows through oh oh i see it's a behind the shoulder kind yep. of third person okay okay that's probably fine yeah all right. yeah but or or you know you're you're diving you're not going to see it from the side and you're not going to see it from sort of you seeing uh yourself go down it's probably going to go over the top and, and watch you go down into the, into this warple Actually, that's kind of cool. I I do actually love the visual of yeah, like sort of over the shoulder or, or like behind, seeing the dive, the camera following down. Except, of course, you're diving into a warple, so it's actually as you go through it, you're no longer diving up. You're now f- diving down. You're now flying up. <laughs> <laughs> this is all one smooth motion. Yeah, gravity takes hold. <laughs> you've you've got to you've got to do some moves to to hit the hit the right uh, movements to get over the bar, and then yeah, yeah. Then as you as, you re- as you're reaching moves. the um the peak of your jump, that's when yeah. like the hose is actually running out of out of um space. You've now got to fire the um the warp juice down at the bottom. That's where it because because you've got to get over the pole. You've now got to create a new a new portal or a new warple. <laughs> right, I forgot about the hose. So, what are you diving with? With the hose. The hose that's and, connected to and, something? Yeah. So, like there's a huge, huge long hose. You've got it with you. You're doing so like on a reel. You're diving. As soon as you, what's really crazy about this is as soon as you fire it down, basically the hose that you've got in your hand disconnects from the, from the old warple because it, that warple is no longer there. So, right. it's no longer tethered. 
So basically you can use it as, as sort of like a, um, you know, a, a pivot point sort of thing for a little bit, but then yeah. as soon as it, as soon as you fire off the, um, the next warple, warple, uh, yep. your hose is detached. So it can no longer help you. Yeah. That's trippy. Yep. Um, I like it though. So maybe you've got like a tank. I feel like you've kind of got a tank of, of warp juice that gives you a limited supply, but you can only fire. It's like enough for one burst or something. Um, so if you're not tethered, then you can't refill that. You've got like a limited. Yeah. Re- it's a limited resource at this point. And so that could really drive the puzzle design uh, for, because you've got these, these, fucking warp taps these warp points that you can hook your hose onto um and maybe you maybe initially you like you literally have to walk over and hook it on and and later in the game you get the ability to like shoot out the hose and and attach it in some way from a distance so that you can you might you know for example a puzzle room starts whatever the narrative context is you come in there's no tap you've got room for one portal warple whoops You've got you've got you, enough you do, juice for one. Warp. You don't have many balloons um, filled up at the moment, so you you can't rely on that. You have to rely on the hose because you don't have. You a, have to rely on the hose. You don't have a thin, em- you thin enough g- nozzle to actually, you know, fill up your um your balloons. Yeah, exactly. But you don't you don't have physical access to the the tap. Yeah, the warp tap. So yeah, you may, this might be the first time that you find oh uh, with a now now I get an attachment for my. For my warp tank, which lets me like um, magnetically, you know, throw the hose, you know, over something or through a hole or even through a warple if if that's you know if it's uh, if that's what the puzzle is, hook it up to the tank and then you have yeah you've got more of your limited supply of warp juice. Yep. Uh, I f- yeah, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of cool puzzle mechanics you could do that haven't. Like that, that weren't explored in a game like the Portal series. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That is very cool. I like it. I like warples. <laughs> I like warples. Three, two, one, click. Cashew rectangle. Cashew rectangle. Have you ever seen like a cashew that? hasn't been um deshelled yet like have you seen it when it's on a tree uh, like, i'm i i probably have but i'm going to google it google it because you'll you'll realize just how much waste there is in a cashew like the cashew nut is only this one tiny little part of it the rest of it is, is like a cashew fruit oh what the fuck yeah exactly <laughs> the little green bit hanging off the end is the nut yep that's bizarre. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, they're weird. Yes, very weird. I don't eat them anyway. I love cashews. But, yeah, so I'm thinking something around around the wastage of of cashews. I'm Well, the, I'm now intrigued by the shape of these things. I, I feel like we need to explore, like, they're like weird little birthing pods. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the Matrix, but cashews or something. <laughs> <laughs> like they look like like a tree of these reminds me of like we're harvesting these things for their fucking <laughs> body electricity so we can run a simulated reality. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the idea that remember a couple of weeks ago how we had that um that. 2D shape world that we took into the 3D and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. I like the idea yep. that one of the one of the rectangles like gets woken up out of there and wakes up out of this cashew pod. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. We can we can go back to that world. So it turns out that the whole 2D world is a simulated reality. It's just they didn't have the computing power to make something like the Matrix, so they had to make that two-dimensional world. <laughs> Picturing that it was like in the 80s or something like that. So yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> simple shapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Very simple, very simple pixelated shapes. Uh, so I don't think we uh, maybe this is a sequel or something. Like we, don't, I don't think we need to explore even the two D world that much initially. Obviously, it starts in that world. Yep. Oh well, I mean, this is the thing. Actually, we almost it almost makes me want to retcon that past game because the character in that game is obviously the one. <laughs> <laughs> because they saw outside the two Dinas of their world. <laughs> so he wasn't just a wizard, but he was um he was actually the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um although in the when you're talking about dimensions, maybe that actually makes him a one dimensional thing. <laughs> 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 no, I think all right. Uh, let's let's not let's not uh, let's not tie this directly into no. that game. But just the idea of it being coming from a two D. Yeah, maybe this is like an anthology uh, series for us where we explore dimensional um, differences between you know one to one to four dimensions, perhaps. What's the fourth dimension again? Is that just time? <laughs> Uh, it's probably time or it could be, you know, we can create those, uh, cool, uh, um, hypercubes. hypercubes. Yeah. No, it's probably time. I'm not smart enough for hypercubes, <laughs> but anyway, that we're not, we're not doing that in this one. Anyway, this one is about the simulated 2d world and the, the being that woke up in a cashew pot. Yep. After they were freed from it. Um, so. Are they cashews or are they- God, it's the Nutrix. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have to do- I think we have to do nuts now. Yeah, the Nutrix. Yeah. (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so who is enslaving these cashews- to 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 harvest, you know the. I, I I kind of like the idea that because this is essence, um, sort of like, sort of like that other other movie by the you know Wachowskis or whatever, uh-huh. that you know unlike it being a um like an androidy sort of thing, there it's actually humans that are enslaving these um these cashew like aliens. Okay, yeah, all right. I, I sure. like the idea that, that um. Are they cashew sized? They're cashew sized, and it turns out that mm. if you let the cashews mature to a certain point, they taste the best. But if they if they go too far, they actually turn into like sentient alien things walking around. Right. Okay. So this is actually kind of set in our real world. Yes. Um, right. Turns out that like um, many many years ago, Edward Q. Cashew. <laughs> He um, found, like, this mysterious pod on the ground. Yep. Um, It had come down, like, through some meteor shower and all this sort of stuff and just found this one pod on the ground. And then, you know, sort of found it, or maybe found three of them, but this this one particular one was sort of roasted. And so he put it in his mouth and goes, oh, yeah, that's that's an awesome nut, nutty taste and- and yeah, basically yeah. planted planted the husk and it grew into a tree. He didn't realise at the time it was actually, you know, these were sentient aliens and this was a birthing pod. But Sure, sure. Yeah. So there's a bit of a Futurama Poplars vibe thing yeah. going on too, right? So, okay, so you're saying though that this is set in a time now where they've realised that these are sentient creatures. Yes. Have they, uh, because presumably- well, is it just part of this? Because are they? Uh, that's a lot of questions without and sentences without ends to them. But uh, <laughs> what I'm getting at is how have they changed these pods in some way to keep them kind of from waking up, or do does the life cycle of these aliens? Um, rely on some sort of external force to pull them out, and otherwise they just continue in there. And and also now because we've got the whole like we we, we wanted the whole generated two dimensional nutrix. Have the humans done that, or is that just like so? I the, I think the, this tree. I think what happened early on was kind of gem- generates a shared reality or something. I think what happened early on was. 
like Edward Q. Cashew's descendants, who were all obviously cashew farmers, they just originally let it let things grow grow naturally, and you know they they just made sure that they harvested at the right time. But what yeah. they actually found was by in the in the late seventies to early eighties, they they created like this computer program that would actually compress time, and basically the the alien consciousness would would actually grow faster when when it was um, stimulated in this way, so that okay. the, the cashews yes. in the real world were actually growing a lot faster. Now, did they develop this knowing that these things were sentient creatures yes. at this point, though? Okay, so at what point did Edward Q. Cashew or his descendants realize that these were that they were basically eating, you know, the the lava lava? I think it was Edward Q. Cashew that actually found it out himself after okay. after um, you know a couple of seasons harvest. He got sick one year, yep, and couldn't go out to harvest, and literally about it came out three days later than when he would normally harvest. And these cashews were walking around, like they they'd hatched and they were starting to walk around. And he realised what he did. Okay. That he, and they've like dropped off their their like seed pod. Their, yeah, their basically pods. all the all these um these birthing pods had opened, and the the cashews were nowhere to be found. And then he actually found, you know, hiding in his barn or something like that. There was some right. there was some um, cashew aliens and. <laughs> But he realised that he, he's been making. Oh so my god! Much I wish money. we had enough. <laughs> he'd been making so much money yeah. from from selling these cashews that he murdered them all, and then you know um, came up with you know the rules of of cashew farming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I really wish we had enough of a fan base to do some fan art of these fucking cashew aliens. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, all right, so. What we are making a game here. Yes, that's the goal of this podcast. What? Who? Who do you play? Are you playing a cashew? Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're playing a you're rectangle playing a who game. you find out is actually a right. cashew. Okay, so at the start of this game, you're in a two D world. Yes. Let's let's obviously maybe let's move away from what we did uh with the last two D world where we're sort of exploring what they can see and let's just make it that it's a two dimensional like a pixel art yeah. game sort of thing. Pixel art game, very, very simple shapes and Exactly. You know, you sort of go you going to um you going to work and all this sort of stuff. Very similar to that um unnamed film from the Wachowskis. Um that, you know, you're you're playing a character called Bio. Um <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go, sure. you go, you go to work, and you get called in by, um, you know, Agent Thing, and you know some weird shit happens. Well, Agent there. Agent Star, or like, is a some sort of geometric yep. shape, Agent Hexagon, or Agent Triangle, something like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I like the idea, Mr. That, you know, Rectangle. You. <laughs> yeah, you get you get, so you get a call from someone Squarefius. <laughs> Squarefius, gotcha. <laughs> well, I was thinking though maybe he had to be or like a, a rhombus. higher number of sides. Yeah, like he's a rhombus. Well, that's not more sides, but like he's slant- he's slanted enough that yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Wait, rhombus is slanted ones, or they're the anyway, whatever. yes, rhombius or something like that. <laughs> like rhombius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, and basically, triangle. He- it's like Trinity is still Trinity, but she's just a triangle. Yep. Because, yeah. All right. And so you, you, you kind of learn that this world is not what you, what you think it is. And Rhombius offers to wake you up. Yes. And you've got the whole scene of. The sweeping camera going across this cashew tree with these kind of slow moving <laughs> human hands like coming oh, up. Oh, I'm just imagining like pulling the pulling one off. That basically every single one of these cashew plants actually has like a wire coming out. It looks kind of like Christmas lights when you first see them, but 
what it actually is. Is yeah. like each little part yep. is plugged into another part of the cashew, and it- definitely, definitely, and that's how they're like feeding this world into them. Sure, I kind of like the idea that it's all sort of lit up. You know, it's very colourful. You know, you got green, red, and orange and blue pods, yellow, orange, yeah, um, yeah, and there's I love it little cashew thing hanging off the bottom. And so the birthing pot opens and it just and, drops. And it just drops. Yeah, it opens and it just drops. And you get this scene of the camera like following it down as it like grows its arms and legs and eyes or something. Um, <laughs> There's no eyes to start off with. And they kind of unfold. No, well, they just look like a cashew to start with, yeah. I think. But at, but part of the birthing process is they kind of unfold from this, from this curled up cashew shape. They really do look like fucking little embryos. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you land, and there's Rombius and Trinity. Uh, and I, I, I imagine that you that you actually land down in that typical hero pose, you know, with the um with the <laughs> single knee arm out sort of thing, yep. and you just sure. land down, and it's like then you stand up. He goes, "Oh, we we knew that you were special, but the fact that you actually landed in the hero pose that, that you just- landed in a hero pose." <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, though. Are there other sentient nuts in this world? Um, I think there must be. Maybe they're like trying to go around. Maybe all nuts are alien life forms. Are alien life forms, but because of what humans have been doing, like they may not all be actually sentient anymore. Like their species have kind of been destroyed in certain ways. But then the goal is to like go around and like wake the peanuts. Well, what 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 I kind of like is that the um, you know, you you find an ancient text written written from like some cashews that have actually uh, lasted a long time, and you know they've they've actually evolved into the into the next stage of the cashew because the cashew was still only a, a very small stage or very early stage in this alien's yeah, life. Sure, it's like the caterpillar of yeah, and. Basically, the um the the cashews were sent as a rescue party for for these maybe maybe peanuts maybe Brazil nuts or maybe or just like all that. maybe just all the nuts all that nuts are, that are like trapped on Earth. But it turns out that the cashew is actually like the most deadly um, one of all because they're actually from like an assassin clan or something like that. Right, or maybe they're just. I know. I, I like the idea of. Yeah. Okay. They're like a. Cashew stealth assassin. <laughs> Maybe they're Instead like a, they're actually themselves. <laughs> they're actually themselves. It's a deep cut. The last Tenchu game that came out. Are they actually like a, a genetically engineered species of nut themselves? Yep. Who are kind of the the defenders and the the yeah the assassins of this vast like. Um, nut intergalactic Empire. network of nut <laughs> beings. This Nutrix, if you will. <laughs> well, no, the Nutrix is the- yeah, but I like the idea that it's like um, the oh. the humans happen to call it the Nutrix, but then it turns out that the, that the bigger thing is also that that's by the actually nuts. what they call actually their actually big the interconnected. Well. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> um, what I think happened basically is like it was a colony ship that was sent. They sent out colony ships all the time. To 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 colonize new planets and things, but one of them got sent to Earth, and yeah, the humans just like started fucking eating them all and breeding them in these ways that prevented them from reaching maturity. And so basically, like these cashews are fucking saving their babies, the nut babies. Yep. Oh my god! Can you imagine when they discover peanut butter? Oh my god! <laughs> it's just like they're. It's just like their children, like ground into paste. <laughs> yep. Oh, what? What about um? What about the final battle in like the Sartay factory? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Also, their like their worst enemy is vegans. <laughs> oh god! Uh, I fucking. I love that. I love when we discover a new ripe <laughs> world of of fucking lore to, to dig into. Yep. I think we'll revisit this world again. But for now, yes. let's click. Huh. Photocopy. 
Solitaire. Solitaire. Hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> for some reason, my my head has gone to an old Paul Jennings world uh, story that, oh, I, that I read that's eight years ago. Um, <laughs> maybe unbelievable too. Um, but there was a, there was a story about um, like a photocopying machine or something like that 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 created a um, a not perfect copy of of basically the the things that you get that you copy in this thing so like living creatures and yeah living or- creatures like it, one of the things that happened in in the story was like yeah he photocopied himself and all this sort of stuff and and ended up you know they they ended up fighting and and then when he looked in the mirror the, for the final time he realized that well he he seems to have all these memories of him being right-handed, but now he's left-handed and the mole's on the other side. Right. And, you know. Right. So, so he was the photocopy. He was the photocopy. Okay. But, yeah, I kind of like the idea of it It sort of being not necessarily a, a horror based around there, but um, the idea of maybe this, maybe this puzzle in which you can, like a first-person puzzle game in which you can photocopy these, these items to... To create like yep. duplicates and that sort of stuff, and okay, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, almost going down the portal route again, not with actual portals, but just in that sense of here's a puzzle space, and we can explore it. Yep. In that, your main method of solving a puzzle is being able to make copies of things, but. Sometimes you need lots of copies, and a copy of a copy is low gonna, quality. Going to yeah degrade over time. Yes, and I feel like managing that could be quite interesting. Yep. So let's think about the things that you're needing to copy. Well, the first thing that came to mind was like a key. That okay, you, you've got a. You've got a um, you've got a single key, and you can open up one of the locks, but you can't open up the other lock because, like, the key seems to be back to front. So, if you photocopy okay. the key, you get the mirror image of it, and therefore you can open oh, both locks. Yes, so you can start that, playing. That around could create with. some interesting things because then, if you need, then you're creating puzzle situations where if you need an actual direct copy of something, you have to make two copies of it because you then need to. Like, you get a mirror copy, and then you need to copy that mirror copy to get the original copy. But whatever degradation takes place is now obviously, like, doubled yep. on that on that copy of a copy. Okay. That's quite interesting. I'm sort of trying to think of, of where the challenges are. So, does the degradation, is it a time-based thing? Do they only last a certain amount of time? And so, there's a time pressure of- you know, I, I think I think there's there's also maybe a strain on the original artifact. So if you if you copy ooh, if you yep. copy like the key two or three times, basically you're sharing all the all the essence between all the different keys that you've now got. And yep. basically they start breaking down if they if they go too far. So you can't make unlimited copies, you have to be able to strengthen it somehow. Interesting. Okay. And so maybe there are areas of the level or like some levels have, you know, a, a, a strengthening beam or whatever. Yep. Where if you if you put your original item in this, you can copy it unlimited times, but you know, you you if you take it out of there then they're all gonna disintegrate or explode or something, you know. Yeah. Oh, and actually that's an interesting thing. Maybe maybe there is some sort of something that happens when the essence is shared between too many items that you can then take advantage of, whether it is like an explosive property. Oh, depending on if you if you happen to um, photocopy a whole heap of dynamite, you know, that, that could then become well, know, I just, quite unstable. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously more of a direct thing, but I was more thinking like that a technique you could use is, all right, I'm going to- um, I'm going to put this this box in you know this block in the essence generator. I'm going to copy it 
20 times and they're all going to be stable while that thing is in the essence generator because it's like feeding essence into the all. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to place them all over next to that door. But then when I pull that um, block out of the essence generator, now it's trying to share just its own essence between those things and they're all going to get unstable and explode kind of thing. Yep. That's that sort of- you know, it's not necessarily directly related to what it is you're copying. Mm-hmm. It's more um, this this idea of of too many copies. You know, create yeah. create unstable um, things. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. That's cool. So, where does solitaire come into it? <laughs> we don't have, we don't have to include it. Maybe just you. He can copy playing cards at some point um, and, like, <laughs> fling them across the room. Or maybe it's just that you're by yourself. Yes. I mean, when, when you said solitaire, that's actually what got me to the um, to the idea of the um, of the Paul Jennings thing just because of being a solitary sort of life. Right. Yeah. That, I guess that makes sense. And you wanted yep. to, yeah, to make a copy of yourself. Well, okay. So, here's the thing in this, in our game. Later, later in the game, do you end up making copies of yourself? Is there some gameplay there around? Maybe, maybe you bring in those that idea of, um, you know, some games have that thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to use one copy and and I'm going to play out the action that that copy's going to do, and then I like reset back and I can do something else so that whatever that first copy did, I can take advantage of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that. But, of course, if you copy yourself too many times, then, you know, the same thing starts happening to you and you start, like, your, exactly. your vision starts fading and- Yeah, and exactly. Both of you have a stomach ache at the same time and basically you need to work out a way of actually recombining. Uh, I do like the idea of maybe t- just touching the things together. They kind of- Yep. Um, the atoms just want to recombine. Um, kind mm-hmm. of like, if you remember- the movie Time Cop. <laughs> yeah. What happened if yeah. two people touched e- touched each other from from different time periods? From different they times. They basically okay. just. Well, I think they either melded into into this grotesque being, or they or they just got instantly sort of destroyed, sort of thing. <laughs> right. Like I kind of like the idea of it. It kind of almost being a um a Cronenbergy sort of. Sort of yeah. thing that you, as you're going through, you see um, some different, some different um, people who've you can tell that they've photocopied <laughs> themselves and they've touched each other. Right. And they're just like this weird Cronenbergy mound of flesh sort of thing. So you know, yeah. okay, don't yeah. touch ourselves together. <laughs> don't touch yourselves together. Yeah, maybe you can just like maybe your photocopier has a kind of re- a recombinatory mode where. You can you can bring the essence of something back to the original, yeah, um, and just destroy it because you want you want to give the player that ability to oh yeah to mess around with different solutions and that sort of thing, of course. But yeah, I do like the idea of once you get to the point of copying yourself, uh, yeah, you can't touch them, like that's that's fatal. Yeah, I like the idea that um, it shows you early on that you go to touch a single finger and your finger just sort of melds together and you have to cut it off in like a weird saw slash hostel <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, look, you sort of talked about it as a horror thing. Like, this could be, from a tonal point of view, this could be a, a horror game still. Like, I and, and actually, that's interesting for this sort of puzzle game to, to go down that direction. But it makes sense with the sort of Cronenberg, Cronenberg-ish... Um, side of things and, and yeah, it's, it's more this kind of ominous, creepy mode, like a place that you, that you're going through and you are finding, I don't know, for whatever reason, you have this photo, photocopy device. Yep. But you're sort of finding out more about what it can do and finding these essence generators and like maybe it's sort of a, a some sort of mad scientist. You know his his laboratory you're going through or something, and it's it's his invention, or, or maybe not one person, maybe like a a corporation. It's one of these things you're going through this facility, yeah, and and seeing the aftermath of what's happened with the experiments with with this device that you have found. I've got to I've got to say I just love the idea that um, the fact that you can use Cronenberg as a verb as a verb now. <laughs> Thanks, and, Rick and, Morty. and you know exactly what it is. 
Yep. Okay, I reckon we've got time for just one more. All right. Three to one Three click. Three to one click. Hmm. Deserter. Doe. A deer. A female deer. Say <laughs> so doe. Word is doe. Yeah. D-O-E. <laughs> Obviously. Given your your little uh Sound of music melodies. Mm-hmm. So a deserter, that's interesting then. I'm trying to think of what sort of gameplay you can get out of a deer rather than going down a, a strictly narrative path, although obviously deserter implies something about their past or, or what their come where they're coming from. Um obviously the Dota has actually to be the character. Okay, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a very Horizon Zero Dawn sort of feel to mm-hmm. it. That okay. it's sort of like not not an anthropomorphic world, but more of a more of like a a Lion Kingy sort of world without talking. Mm-hmm. So Yep. Okay. It's, it's more through mime and that sort of stuff. Not not necessarily, you know, they're not like invisible walls and, no, and no. But ropes more, that they're pulling on. But more um, everything <laughs> is body language. Out, body language. And yeah. you play a female deer who's deserted like the herd. Okay. Almost. It, it, so, so that's giving me a bit of a vibe around. It's one of these kind of introspective kind of like, like journey or something where you're, you know, there's no dialogue. Yep. But in this case, yeah, maybe more of an open world that you're exploring as this doe. Yeah. And yeah, that's I, okay. I, I like the idea that there could be other packs of deer sort of around that Yeah, or or other animals and that things. you're trying to stay away from because, you know Right. You're being marked as a deserter sort of thing. And so therefore yep. they're attacking you sort of thing. So how are we gonna get across what's actually happening in this world? And and what sort what sort of gameplay are we talking here? You know, I can I can kind of picture being able to to you know gallop through fields and and explore this world and and kind of stay you know keep your distance away from from other herds of deer. But how do we how do we set goals? Well, I think what you actually find out is that through the um like little bits and pieces, you actually find out that this this doe is pregnant. And she's sort of, she's on the run sort of thing from from her family. Mm -hmm. Just just because of, I don't know, maybe you can have some small flashbacks as to what what happens to, you know, the the young of of these, of these doe basically being, you know, um, put into, I know, training to, to like hunt and kill things and, I know you can have. Ooh, like, I, I kind of like the idea of yeah, this like sort of bloodthirsty herd of deer. Yeah, where yeah, the the leaders of this herd, you know, they're sort of they're, they're soldiers basically, and yeah, they're forcing everyone else to to follow them. Yeah, I, I like the Lion King comparison. You know, in that this is this is Scar after he's taken over, but obviously it's deer. Um, and and pushing pushing the herd into ways that it didn't want to didn't want to go in, and, and it's for his own um, yeah. His own and means, and I like the means. idea of this this deer sort of um, trying to basically just escape, and maybe it can be a shortish sort of game, as in you know not a thirty hour epic yeah. sort of thing, but more yeah, yeah, of yeah. a um, you're escaping this sort of area, you're trying to escape to this beautiful pristine forest that you can sort of think of alike in Lion King and yeah I, I just I kind of like the idea of like these different animal groups that you're sort of trying to escape and and finally you come across like this beautiful pristine forest and you um mm. you have your, your child there you have your child there and you know all of a sudden you realize that this is actually still part of the Disney universe as you realize that it's the start <laughs> of Bambi <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! 
as the hunter comes from around the yeah. corner of the tree. Yeah, and you realise that humans were also in this world. And <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh yes, I fucking love the idea of having this beautiful game with all this amazing animation, and you get so attached to this fucking deer who's escaped from this this. I know it's tragic, obviously, but yeah, it ends up just being killed by a human hunter. <laughs> you realise, oh shit! Jesus there's there's Christ, a lot of there's horrible. a lot of crazy shit happening in in the background oh. of Bambi. <laughs> oh, that's our second. I think that's our second sequel. This uh, episode. <laughs> I thought about it halfway through, and I'm like, I've got to be able to bring this in. <laughs> All right. Well, on that <laughs> horrific note, I think we'll end the episode. If you want to find us online and go listen to our other episodes, the best place to go is podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Uh, you can, as I said, you can find all our previous episodes there. You can check out, uh, some other podcasts that we've, we've guested on. Just follow our creator links. There, speaking of that, there is an episode that should probably maybe be out by now of Comedy Rewind, uh, a new 8-bit podcast done by John O'Peck where he, uh, goes back and, and, uh, talks about movies from the 90s, comedies from the 90s. Uh, we had the pleasure of recording an episode where we spoke about Kevin Smith's clerks. So definitely go and check that out. And as I said, we are also part of the 8-bit network. I may not have actually said we're part of the 8-bit network, but we are part of the 8-bit network. This is a a group of podcasters who are mostly about video games, but a number of other things. As I said, there's Comedy Rewind, there's uh, some wrestling and NBA podcast out there. There's a few different things. And uh, we all kind of help each other out and, and, and hang out. And we've met some great people through that. So go to 8bit.net to to check that out. Yes. And if you like video games like we do, then I recommend that you check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. It is a a group of like-minded individuals who love video games and basically try to help each other out by producing awesome podcast content. So check out at AGP Network on Twitter or look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I know not foo. <laughs> 